Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? This is the Exit the Matrix podcast. You know what you came for. You know what you stepped into. I'm a mean Drew Law. Yeah, this is Mo Man over here. What's good, big bro? What's good, fam? I'm out here in these streets, man. I'm living good. I'm uh, I'm conditioning, you know? I'm uh, exfoliating. Yo, man. Uh, what, day two, day three? Of, day uh, three. Of Ramadan. Ramadan, baby. Man, I hope you're having a good and easy <clears throat> Ramadan, bro. I am Blessings. trying. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Uh, thank Thanks to everybody who's been um, showing me love. And uh, shout out to everybody, man, who's uh, who's practicing the holy month. Um, it's been it's been good for me, man. I've been doing the best I can to take it easy. I feel like every uh, Ramadan, I'm always doing the same things that I normally would do. And by the you know seven o'clock, I'm exhausted and passed out on the couch. So I've been doing a lot better taking care of myself. Yeah, it seems like fasting should be like no big deal for you, because man, your ass is like ready for like naked and afraid, bro. Drop your ass off in the woods, and you can go like eight fucking days without food and shit. All right, but let me tell you the difference, though. During Ramadan, I do not drink during the daytime. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no water of any right. kind, no gum, no nothing, no juice. And honestly, bruh, the worst thing about it is I do not partake in any THC sort of item. And that's even at night? I don't do it, period, for 30 days. Oh, wow. Blessings to yeah. you, man. I always feel like it's important for me to like step away from all substances mm. of any kind just because I want to make sure that those things are not dependent. I'm not dependent on those things. Let me, let the, me ask the, you a question, The Jerusalem connection, baby. Let's right, get it. Right, right, right. What are your favorite uh, Muslim holidays? Break it down. Well, there's not that many. Really? <laughs> there really isn't. There are a, there are a so lot of minor many ones. Jewish I know, man. I know. I mean, like, there's really, man, like, Aid for uh, at the end of Ramadan is like, I don't know, man. There's not a lot of like celebratory things, man. Like you have Aid al-Fitr, which is at the end of Ramadan, and then you have Aid al-Adha, which is um, like the other major holiday that we have. Yeah, this is definitely, man. When it comes to like my piety and like the celebration that's gonna happen in 27 days from now, definitely Aid al-Fitr, which is you know at the end of Ramadan. You want to go into some Jewish holidays, man? I always want to include you. Yeah, you got yeah, some yeah, favorites. Yeah. I mean, uh, so for me, uh, I think. My favorite Jewish holiday is probably the most underrated, and it's Shabbat, which is the the holiday of fasting. I mean, that's so important in this day and age of get the fucking bag. Whereas, like, we literally just take time to, like, restore our bodies and rejuvenate our bodies. And it's funny to me because so many people see it like, like an obligation. Like, oh, my God, you don't work? And it's like, bruh, come on. I love Passover. I love Passover. Like, almost all Jewish holidays are fucking huge feasts. I think an underrated Jewish holiday is Sukkot, where, like, we essentially camp out and spend the night under the stars to remember, like, you know, before uh, we were an organized people. And, like, it teaches you reverence for the earth and for the stars and, like, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's like a holiday where you camp the fuck out, man. Look at the stars and remember totally how into that. fucking insignificant you are. And we're all, you know, universally connected, baby. Man, that was a great positive moment before we do what we know we got to do. Enter the Matrix. Got him. Now, tanks, now. <laughs> Speaking of it being Ramadan, there is a new assault from the nation of Israel on Palestine, which began at the same time as Ramadan. Which oh, I, what a coincidence that is. I feel is. like that is incredibly, uh, the nicest thing I can say is disrespect. To attack a population that one, does not have the weapons that you have, but two, you're talking about a, an entire population that is fasting, they're not eating food, they're not drinking water, to engage in a military activity against them, that's just unconscionable to me. They have no conscience. That's how they exist. They're the little brother of the United States. They've learned so much from the United States that they are literally now becoming the teacher 
of oppression when it comes to domestic, you know, domestic control. Like all of these police forces, they learn from the IDF. They're the ones who know how to do crowd control. They're the ones who know how to do suppression. We were just listening to um, an interview last year where they were talking about protesters, why they were shooting the protesters. And the woman was literally like, well, we can't put them all in jail. We can't put them in jail. Wow. Nah, these people are evil, man. Like, you know, and it's tough for me, too, because, like, you know, I get a lot of conversation around Palestine, and, like, Mm. people want to know a lot of information about it, and, like, they're interested and, like, willing to help. And there really is only one thing that really matters when it comes to any of the activities that we're trying to do in terms of ending oppression and ending it globally, man. And that's just fighting the matrix and like having a revolutionary mindset because really man ain't nothing going to change in israel palestine as long as the united states has the type of uh israel has the backing of the united states that type of backing man like really difficult for anybody to do anything and a lot of people are trying do you remember the flotilla that 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 popped off yeah 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 i mean and again the flotilla was turkey right it was a turkish flotilla now turkey is a goddamn nato member the most powerful military alliance on the planet. And the IDF had no hesitation to fire on a Turkish vessel. Now, if we were living in the real world, that could have that could have been such a precipitous engagement because if Turkey would have would have commissioned NATO to come to their defense, they would have been militarily obligated to do so. And that's a real that's a real problem. But we talk about, you know, the congressmen. The only two congresspeople to have critiqued what's happening so far are Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar always is popping up when it comes to the woke stuff. She's always there in the the forefront. And I think that they have to... I think what's so interesting is, like, they are a breath of fresh, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes here, fresh air. It's dangerous because they almost make me believe again. Like, I mean, not to say that I'm not an incredibly optimistic person. I am. But I have, like, almost no optimism as it relates to the Democratic Party. No, neither do I. But what I'm saying is these are the type of conversations that are going to radicalize people, Mm. that are going to bring them to the other perspective because that's what we always talk about, right? Right, right. Republicans and Democrats, their ideologies are not that far apart from each other. when it comes to foreign policy. So when you have someone who's coming from an outside viewpoint that's outside of the Republican Democrat ideology on foreign policy gives people another option like, oh, wait, you mean this is a possibility? So at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to trust anything the government does. I'm not like interested in that narrative, but they're saying some dope things, man. They really are. Yeah. So in other news, the United States has moved an aircraft carrier into the Gulf and has overtly threatened Iran, which, again, like, uh, so uh, tell me this. I know that there is a big difference in Sunni and Shia philosophy. The Shia are also celebrating Ramadan, right? Is that, or is that only a Sunni phenomenon? I think they both do. I don't know, you know, like. But, like, the Catholics and the Protestants all still have Christmas. <laughs> you know, like, the Shias, man, I don't want to speak too much on what they do because I don't know. You know but shout out, to, shout out to everybody, you know, practice. And older than Islam, right, these two cultures have clashed. Like, they've always, I mean, they're two different people, like, people in America often don't realize that Iranians are not Arab. They are a different type of people. And like the Persian Empire and the Arab empires, like these guys have literally had wars for close to a thousand years. I mean, it's, you know, I mean. Which is which is interesting, man, because, you know, a lot of people will lump a country like Afghanistan into the Middle East. They're really not Middle Eastern people, you know, right, like right. They're, they're not. They're all Muslim, and yeah. people conflate Arab and yeah, Muslim. Yeah, but there's Chinese Muslims. There's a huge right. population the of Uyghurs. Muslims, you know. But there is a huge, and, and that's you know, and that's Western China. You know, that's a different situation. There's Muslims all over the world. You know what country has the highest population of Muslims? Uh, the Philippines. No, it's Indonesia. Wow, there you go. Yeah, Indonesia's not even. <laughs> Middle East, bro. You can't. Thank, you, I'm, you I'm can't be shit, further. <laughs> but there is a whole island in the Philippines, Mindanao. Oh, yeah. Philippines has an incredibly high uh, yeah. population Muslim. of Muslims, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, but like, I also don't like when people bring up Persians and these things. Like, man, the Persian Empire hasn't existed for a long time. Like, people will still say, like, oh, you're Persian. No, 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 no. <laughs> Persia is not a country, bro. It hasn't been a country for a long time. 
but you know, I think about Iran, right? And I think about like the whole nature of what what they profess to be this argument. And I get that we all get very touchy when we start to think about certain kind of weapon systems and certain type of technologies. But like when we talk about like nuclear technology, it's important to acknowledge nuclear technology was invented in the 40s. So when you're talking about not allowing people access to certain technologies, especially technology that have been weaponized, you're talking about the West literally imposing damn near a hundred year ban on technologies. So you're a hundred years behind the other nations that have weaponized these, these very technologies. And it becomes a very weird argument about what is sovereignty? What right does any nation have to tell another nation what they can and cannot study? It's an inherently patriarchal position. Like our dear friend Benjamin Netanyahu just this week uh, while taking a break from destroying Palestinian fasters, uh, said, I will never allow Iran to obtain nuclear technology. Like, that's the language that a father uses to a kid. I don't allow you to stay out after dark. That's the audacity of the whiteness, you know what I'm saying, and, like, exceptionalism. Like, and that's what I'm saying. That's where they pick that stuff up from the United States, man. Bruh, can I ask you a, a question, man? Sure. Bruh, what is the win in Iran, how does that is it a winnable war? Like it doesn't even feel like they have an understanding of what they're gonna do there. Iran is not the type of place that you want to fight, right? The axiom of geopolitics is there are no permanent allies; there are only permanent interests. And so, what happens is you you begin to conflate what happens in Western nations. Do Western governments really want war with Iran? I really don't think they do. But I think the businesses that fuel the money behind Western governments absolutely do. I mean, Iran is, if not the fourth, it's a top 10 oil reserve in the world. And so oil is something that has value and people want to monetize it. The problem is the people in the military, when you pull them away from the bullshit, they'll tell you. There was an admiral, Admiral Fallon under Bush, he he came up in the Navy and uh, he was given the order by by Cheney to figure it out, you know, find out a, a pretext. And he resigned because yeah. a Navy dude is like, look, bro, we're not like the Air Force. We don't have ICBMs and all of that wild, crazy shit. We can go to science. We have boats and boats move slow. We will have losses the way that the Army will not have losses, the way that the Air Force would not have losses, the Navy would have losses. And as a career naval dude, he's like, fuck that shit, not on my watch, because I'm going to get blamed for this shit. Dude ended up retiring, or, or <clears throat> retiring, right? He was forced out. Air quotes. Which was uh, the rise of General Petraeus. Petraeus was mm -hmm. one of his subordinates. Petraeus' whole rise came because Admiral Fallon was like, man, I'm not really going to go to war with Iran, bro. There's no real quick winnable way. I mean, think about how long we had proxy wars, right? We funded the Iraqis in the 80s to go to war with, with Iran, and they got decimated. Yeah, like, we funded the um, uh, Afghans to go against, uh, to have war against uh, the Russians. Well, they won. That was wow, well, okay, you know? they won. <laughs> they won. I mean, I mean how about how this? can you really win a war, though? Like, you make the motherfucker that's fighting, you leave. It becomes so... I mean, I, Afghanistan was the Soviet Union's Vietnam. Like, that's widely regarded. But again, the aims are different, right? The Soviets didn't use the full weight of their power, because there's no way the Afghans... Right. But the United States isn't using the full weight of their power in Afghanistan, because you have to wage war in a way that is not... You have to be willing to do things that nations that call themselves civilized don't want to be caught doing. Think about Sherman in, 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 war, in uh, the Civil War. He burned Atlanta to the fucking ground. Like, oh, you motherfuckers want to rebel? Let me show you what the fuck that looks like. If you're willing to engage in total war, you can win any war you want if you're more powerful. But nations don't want to have to look to be that way. Like, Vietnam would have been no problem at all for the United States if they really wanted to wage total war. They didn't. You want to l wage limited war because total war means there's the possibility you'll destroy the assets that you're trying to, you're trying to get the bag, right? It goes, you got to burn the bag if you go to total war. Like, look, I'll just, I'll burn all this shit up. But there really isn't total wars anymore, right? Because, no. like, I mean, how many people there hasn't are truly... been since, like, World War II. 
Yeah, shit, man. How many wars are is the United States fighting right now, or has been fighting in the last three years? You know, let's 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 count them. Come on, let's count them. How many wars are we in right now? All right, I'll I'll go with the number one war that people don't even realize. It's important to remember that the Korean conflict has a ceasefire. That's not an ended Armistice. war. Right. You know, that's not a peace. So, like, that war is still ongoing, which is why the North Koreans act the way that they do. Okay, one. Uh, Afghanistan. Two. Iraq. Three. There is limited engagement all throughout Africa. Syria. Syria. Bow. Yemen. Well, the United States is not in Yemen. They're funding the Saudis. Do you have reservations about why that's any different yeah because there are not united states troops that are committed it's more capitalism that's good for american military contractors they're selling planes they're selling weapons you know what i'm saying but it's not the same thing as like the united states army there on the ground i'm not saying it's better or worse right but i'm saying it's tough to say that that's the united states war and well they got one more maybe on the way that might be Venezuela, right? Well, I would say Iran and Venezuela. I think yeah. they're both about to get popping in a major way. So Guaido is begging the United States for like intervention. He's like, "Well, you know, I wouldn't. You, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily no. mind. I wouldn't mind if you guys showed up. Like that could be a possibility. But they're still pitching this like some type of Venezuelan population. Like the Venezuelan population is still so deeply with Maduro. The the military is with Maduro." The judges are with Maduro. Even the, the, the Congress is essentially with Maduro. Juan Guaido is an industry plant. He is an industry plant. <laughs> it's like yes. you were talking about with like Booty Judge and all these other guys. Like, man, straight up industry plant, bro. You got no claim. Nobody this dude rocks has with you. a damn Twitter war, bro. Like, he's on fucking Instagram. Like, yo, the coup is popping at 4 a.m. This man went on Periscope, bro. <laughs> Hey, man, shout out to, I know we're not doing shout outs yet, but shout out to all of the Americans, though, that have went to the Venezuelan embassy and they're literally protesting and keeping themselves in the place so that Guaido, Guaido's people can't take control of the embassy, man. You guys are the real G's. Man, a lot of people out there really working, bro. That's like when people ask me, like, man, you have such a, like, negative outlook on what's going to happen. It's like, hey, bro, people are still dope. Man, They're I'm still so out impressed. here working, man. I'm so fucking impressed, man. Love to y'all. Oh, Eric Prince, also known as Betsy Duvois, brother, brother. has asked for permission to invade. Like, he's like, well, you know, we can pop this shit off. Y'all don't want to send the we military. We talked about that last week. But that, you got to pay us. Hey, man, how powerful is those mercenaries? Oh, they're man? badasses, bro. Think about the first season. The first season of, um, what was it, on Netflix? The Punisher. How, like, that's that's who Blackwater is. Like, the yeah. little mercs. Like, all those guys are, like, ex-seals. Ex they're all special forces. Those guys are badasses. They're really, really well trained, very Bucky well Barnes armed. type dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are like superhero ass dudes, bro. Like they're not no one. Even Eric Prince, people like to joke about this motherfucker. He was a seal, bro. You don't want to fuck around with that guy. Like he'll fuck you up. Like that's without even guns. He like I would not want to fight Eric Prince, bro. Yeah, I wonder how powerful like mercenary like organizations like around the world really are. Like how much power they actually have. Like, I think about them similar to like a Facebook or a Google. Mm -hmm. Like okay, you're not a government per say you know you don't have that type of governmental power but you have so much power and you're basically just a corporation you're just yeah. an entity you know but you're so big that you become dangerous on a global scale hey here's a question for you this is actually a pay-per-view i would give cash money to see eric prince versus fucking putin bitch yeah, I, I would, would drop 150 yeah, on that pay-per-view yeah we'd have a big party man <laughs> I don't, actually, man, I don't know if I even feel comfortable even discussing both of those people in the same <laughs> sentence, man. Hey, man, Putin is a badass, I already bro. told you, man. We starting to get view, viewership all over Asia, too, man. Like, hey, I'm just giving it up for military prowess on this one. Like, as a, as a person, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to like Eric Prince. I don't have to like Putin. I do respect them as martial artists. And, like, they are two human beings that are at peak human conditioning. And that's some shit you just got to be honest hey, about. Hey, put it on a UFC, man. I'm fucking with the shits, bro. Hey, there's going to be a, a good UFC fight this Saturday, actually. Chirac with it with me, man. I'm with it. I'm with it, man. Punch him in the fucking face. In and you know face. what that does? It gets us to styling on him. Speak with me. Please. Oh, you mad because I'm styling on him. <laughs> I better get a styling on him. So there's really only one thing 
that we're going to be talking about on Styling On Him. And it's like something that we've been wanting to talk about and we've touched on it briefly, but Bruh. never in Bruh. full capacity, man. Let me say this right now. It pains me, it right? It pains us, it for sure. It pains me because you know what motherfuckers say? I can't admit when I'm wrong. They're so wrong. I have to fully say, I believed, I hoped, I had no reason to. That's the way irrational exuberance works. There was no reason for me to think it would be different, but I believed it would be different this year. You're the only one, man. You're the only one that was like, shut your fucking mouth. It's going to be terrible. I'm like, no! And you're like, yeah. You probably know what we're talking about. Game of Thrones. Dim Thrones. Dim Thrones. Man, it's it's really turned into like a soap opera. It's really turned into like... A very predictable, you know, narrative. There's so many plot holes now. There's so many aspects of the show where you're like, well, see, when we said the prince that was promised, what we really meant was the first cousin of the prince that was promised. The prince is Valerian, is not gendered. It's, uh, bro, what the fuck was Bran doing, bro? Like, all of this shit, he, think about all of the warging, right? He warged into some fucking crows to fly over the drag. Why the fuck this motherfucker wasn't warging into the bears? Into all the goddamn dire... Fuck, he could have warged into fucking ghost. Is there... Is it impossible for him to warg into the dragon? We don't know. He never he should even give it a tried. shot, man. That stare. If I have to look at him stare at someone again, bro. I'm going to go now. Bitch, you need to go. What the fuck purpose do you serve right now? How we start the season off saying... We don't have time for this, but he ain't never called fucking Santa in. They oh bruh, how Santa gonna lie, flat out lie in front of the fucking weirwood tree, bruh? Can we crucify her on the weirwood, bruh? I told you, man. She's straight up the villain now. Right, because they wanted to get rid of Littlefinger because nobody liked him, but now they've made her into it, Littlefinger, and everybody likes her. People still are defending Sansa in this moment, man. It's like, oh, she been through so much. She Can you imagine? Through- and oh my God, right? When like she sits down with the fucking hound and she's like, well, you know, all that terrible shit to happen to me, I'm not mad because it's how I became. Bruh, that is proof you have two white guys writing, writing this women. Yeah. There's no woman that's ever went through fucking trauma that would ever say some shit like that. Can we break it down from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode? I mean, the whole fucking season, bro. Just attack wherever you want, bro. First and foremost, I just think that they've turned Daenerys into, like, a whiny, heartbroken, irrational irrational queen. And she's never been that, man. She's always made calculated moves. She's always been... You know, here's what we do. Here's how we move forward. And when she was in the uh, the war council and they were at the table and she was saying like, okay, like, are we ready to go? Are we ready to do this thing? And Sansa was like, well, I, um, everyone's tired. Everyone's, you know. I, like straight up, they got used. Yeah. I lost my entire army d- defending y'all asses. And now it's time for you motherfuckers to give back. And you got this bullshit for me. Like, but again, right? It goes back to them not even being consistent within their own narrative because everybody's trying to play it like it's Mad Queen Danny now. But I the, hate that, man. The I last totally person, disagree with that. First off, everything she feels right now is justified. Like, oh, you motherfuckers jocking out because John rode a fucking dragon? Guess who else was riding a fucking dragon? Which I gave birth to dragons. You know what I'm saying? Three of them. I was out there on the front lines and brought all the motherfuckers in the crypts. There were some shivering little fucks. Are now out there like, well, I don't know if we can really count on Danny. I, you know, I just don't trust her. Like, honestly, bro, when everything went to pieces in the Battle of Winterfell, John begged her not say stick to the plan. And she said, man, fuck the plan. I'm Those are my ride. people. I ride for my dogs. Which brings me to another point, bro. How come we have not heard anything from the Dothraki in how many two plus seasons? Bruh. That should have been as, how come we don't know any of the names of the Dothraki generals? You don't generals? know one Dothraki. And all you do is, you know one Unsullied. And one. she's had blood riders with her since the first fucking season. We don't know any of their names. And this is where her real power derived, right? And it's just it just shows that they're contrived in their writing because, well, we have to get rid of all of those people because those are people that will never follow John. They don't give a fuck about John. The Dothraki don't give a fuck about John. Probably they a don't fif- like John. A fifteen-year-old Dothraki kid, boy, girl, non-gender, could probably fuck Jon Snow up. Facts. And also, okay, so this is another issue that I have. Tyrion and Varys are incompetent. And to have the conversation of Varys now trying to put this fake drama in, saying, "Oh, John is a better." Leader when has John ever been a good leader, bro? Somewhere. Where? Like, they didn't like his leadership at the fucking Night's Watch. In fact, they stabbed his ass to death. Like, fuck you, bro. We heard you, but you know what? 
let me tell you how many times this man has been lucky. First of all, when he went out beyond the wall and he was supposed got to... Got drowned in it in the fucking ice cold water and crawled no, out? No, 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 no. I'm going way further back than oh, that. Oh, okay. I'm going way further back than that. With, um, God, what is her name? Um, the wildling with the bow and arrow jump. Yeah, yeah. She was, um, she was nice with it. You know it. nothing. Yeah, you know nothing, Jon Snow. He still don't know nothing. But right. he was supposed to kill her, and he couldn't do it. He got trapped. He got captured. Now he ended up going back to see uh, Mance Raider, dude from the Night Watch, the the half hand, pouring half hand. He had to basically fake his death. I mean, he, no, he not died, fake his death. but he he threw the fake, fight. Fake, he threw the fight, a fight to the death. He threw, and John fucked it up. He got well, lucky Mance was with that doing one what too. he had to do. Mance was a real fucking leader. Like, look, bro, I don't really trust your ass, but at the end of the day, I do trust my niggas to fuck you up if you get out of pocket. So, and I got to move my people through the wall. You claiming you with us? That's cool. Don't fuck up, bro. We throw your little ass off the wall. Yeah. So he got he got lucky with that one. He he died. He literally died and got brought back. Battle of the Bastards. That army was done. They were finished. The Eerie came and saved his ass. Hard home. Another L. John has not won a battle ever. No, we haven't even talked about season seven, the ridiculous idea that you're going to go into the north. Tyrion's gonna, idea. Yeah. Look, bro, either you believe the shit or you don't believe the shit. I'm not about to try to convince you, bro. So can I ask a question? The whole plot of season seven to go get this damn white to go show Cersei, it literally doesn't matter. Right. Nothing happened because of it. Oh, we all thought, no, oh. No, 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 no. No, that's unfair. Jamie went north. So he could fuck Brienne and bounce. Fuck, boy. No, fuck, fuck Jamie. I don't even want to talk about him right now, man. <laughs> that is so stupid, man. <laughs> oh, my that God. That is so stupid. And, and why, first of all, why is Brienne choking up? She should have been like, all right, man, get the fuck out yeah, of here. You, like, you made that choice. Like, and this is moving. where, like, I love agency, right? I remember growing up as a kid, as a Gen Xer, right, watching movies like Pretty in Pink. Like, oh, my God, why Molly Ringwald didn't pick the dude that loved her? Because she ain't fucking have to. She ain't fucking like him. Agency is agency, right? I get it. Brienne don't like Tormund. You didn't like him. That's cool. You got to resolve with this other motherfucker. He fucked you over, and that's what agency is. You didn't have to get with the motherfucker that liked you because you didn't like him. But then you got with this other nigga, and he fucked you over. That's real life. That's real life. But let me. I'm, I just want to bring it back to this point because it's it's truly ridiculous. The entire plot of season seven was for you to go mm. north, get a white, and show Cersei. Euron, oh, we thought Euron was out. He said, fuck this shit, I'm out. And he dipped. But guess what? No, he didn't. He's right back where he was supposed to be. How Varys don't know about this? Varys, you're the fucking master of spiders. You don't know that this nigga went to fucking Essos and got a whole army? Dude is completely useless. And but now, now you're, you're going to show make... up and be on some fucking we should overturn it. She, he is basically proposing that Daenerys be assassinated so Jon can then rule. And he wants to use the excuse that it's for the realm. For the realm. You are a damn lie, right? Bruh. And this is Dan and Dave, right? Like, it's like, clearly they never read the books because Varys in the book is a very different person. He's not a nice person. He's no different from Littlefinger, honestly. He's very manipulative. He's downright fucking evil. He will kill motherfuckers because it's not for the realm. It's for the motherfuckers he wants to rule the yeah, realm. Yeah, but that's what the narrative was in the show. So now the narrative in the show doesn't matter now? Every, man, I'm telling you, Dan and Dave, bro, man, look, we're going to get to fuck you soon. But if you, it, I have never seen this much backlash from an episode. Masande, oh, R.I.P. to Masande, man. R.I.P. Yeah. to fucking Masande, man. I, I don't know how Green Worm didn't go John Wick on everybody. One more, one more thing on the Masande thing, though, right? Now, Masande was a person who was subjected to enslavement her entire life. And has been freed, right? She she is now in a place of freedom. Now, this is something I can tell you as an oppressed fucking minority. You will never take my fucking freedom, bitch. I'll go full on Braveheart with that shit. She's standing on the ramparts with fucking Cersei. And you know your fucking number one homie is down there. You know this bitch is on this wild shit. Tell me how in the narrative, Masande don't just grab Cersei and jump off. Bitch, if I'm here to die, if we are to die and do all country loss, I'm going to jump off this fucking rampart with Cersei. We're fucking over. You was going to kill me anyway. No, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. It's because, once again, Tyrion, who was pretty smart, who had some good ideas way back maybe season six, season five. Man, Tyrion hasn't been what I would consider smart since, like, season three. I think people are just, you know, want to see intelligence in white men and see them as, like, smarter than they fucking are. Why did Tyrion have a plea with Cersei? All of season seven was a fail because you trusted Cersei. 
Cersei, and this is canon even in the show. It's even worse in the books. Cersei has a bounty out on every fucking dwarf. She's literally killing people at her dwarves just on the fucking off chance someone will kill fucking Tyrion. It's the pharaoh of Egypt out this joint, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's like, hey, let's talk to her. You're not really a monster. Yeah, bro, didn't she just literally send Bronn to kill both you and your brother? Which is another hole in the narrative. If I've done that and now I have you in archery range, why the fuck wouldn't I kill you? Because it's apparently it's already fuck you on, on, on Daenerys. It's fuck you to Daenerys. So then why not just kill Tyrion right there? And Jamie is going back now with Cersei after you just... That's going to be a corny-ass plot turn that we all see coming. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, so he's going to turn on her? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't believe that he's going back to Cersei. For... But then why not just be with... with uh, why not say to Brienne, hey, look, this ain't goodbye. This is... I mean, it might be goodbye, but I'm not leaving you. I'm going to kill Cersei. That's what I'm going to do. I when love he you. Sh- okay, I, one more question. Because sure. we could talk about this forever. Jamie Lannister steps in front of the gates of uh, King's Landing, and Cersei is told of this. What is her thoughts? I don't know, man. I don't even know what the move is. I mean, he's way... He was the fucking captain of the King's Guard. He's way too known to be able to walk, just flat-out walk yeah. into fucking King's Landing. He's gonna, they're going to know right when he's at Immediately. the Immediately. They'll know before. Kyburn is too good at his job. Kyburn is how Varys used to be. He knew that the fucking dead had breached the fucking wall. Kyburn is a, a, the type of dude that you want on your squad, He's the A1, bro. which, again, why it makes no sense for Varys or for, for fucking Tyrion to not be like, hey, Cersei wouldn't even be on right now if it weren't for Kyburn. Kill this motherfucker. Bruh, I, I feel like the show would have been much more interesting over the last... Over this per- last episode, if it was seen from the perspective of King's Landing and what Cersei and Euron were doing. Highburn talked that good shit to Tyrion. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, bro, what the fuck we gonna... Bro, we got... We could kill every one of you motherfuckers right now. What the fuck is you talking yeah, about? He literally... Fucking... He's like, what? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> that's the queen. We came for your surrender. Y'all are all fucked up. We already know now she's not interested in closing the gate. She doesn't care if her people are gonna win. She as basically... Don't make us do it to you, Dunny. Yeah. Because we're low for doing. So don't confuse it with just Game of Thrones music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> bram, 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 bram. Man, yo, 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 yo. Last thing, and then I'll wrap it up. All right, do it, baby. Okay, so we kill Rhaegel, right? Which which Martin has said is impossible to kill a fucking fully grown dragon in the air, flying hundreds of miles an hour, a fast seagoing vessel that is wind-powered at best is going about 20 knots. There's no way a dragon could even maintain flight at 20 knots. You have to be going much further. And you're from a higher vantage point. How the fuck every time they want, like, it's like if you see Daenerys in a boat, bro, they all fucked up, right? Even though they got the dragons flying over them, they should have seen the fucking Euron fleet hundreds of miles out to fucking sea. Then you lose Rhaegal. She don't swing the fuck around, right? Because those ships are not Corvettes, bruh. They can't just turn the fuck around on a fucking swivel, hit them from behind, where even though they got the, the scorpions on a fucking swivel, they gonna fire into their own ship? Can't do that shit? It's just stupid plot contrivance. Yeah, bro. How many of those do they have? Bro, did you see how many of those uh, bro, is spear it arrows came out? Industrial age. Yeah, it's like are these shits machine guns? Yeah, are those an odd? Are you have an AK forty seven? How the fuck you reload Scorpion? them shits that fast? It y'all like, fired shum, them shum, shits shum, and y'all shum. should be out now. It's just completely ridiculous, bro. And then them shits are on every ship, which I also disagree with, right? Because there's no way Cersei at this point in the fucking narrative would trust Euron enough to even arm his fleet with those kind of weapons. All right, but yeah, but, right, you know, so we, sorry, we sorry y'all. Out, yeah. Sorry that we hate Game of Thrones, but you probably I do too. In the heart of the city There ain't no love In the heart of town the mayor of Baltimore resigned over inconsistencies in uh, her children's book. What happened was she wrote a children's book called like Hungry Holly or Happy Holly or something like that. And she had the University of Maryland's medical f- uh, organization or the school buy $500,000 plus of her books so they could then distribute them to Baltimore City public schools, which is ridiculous crony capitalism in the first place. But then what happened is they realized that they didn't even buy these books. The books don't even exist. She's been having some health issues and all kind of stuff. So she resigned, well, I think like last week 
week or something like that. It was a 60-second press conference. She wasn't even there. They didn't take questions. But just another aspect of Baltimore politics that's not serving the people, man. Kickbacks are as old as capitalism, bro. You know, and of course, I go to grad school in Baltimore. It, Baltimore is a fascinating city, man. I love I feel Baltimore, like man. I really I, do. I do, too. I really do, too. It's one of the grimiest cities in America, but it's got a lot of culture. It's got a lot of heart. Suffice it to say, all that shit you saw on The Wire, that shit is more fact than fiction, yo. That's why this show hit like that. Yeah, it was really, um, it, it hit me, too, because like my, I actually started my poetry career. In Baltimore. That's what's um, up. Yeah, man. And it's a I great... fucks with them cats happy, man. Yeah, I mean, you got to fuck with them, man. Just because, like, you, like you said, I mean, the city is sort of grimy, but it's not... I mean, D.C.'s grimy, but it's like... Doesn't I don't see have... grimy as a pejorative, man. Point right, taken, right. point taken. But, you know, like, Baltimore doesn't have that same aspect as, you know, D.C. or, you know, a, a lot of other cities that, like, have a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Like, Baltimore doesn't feel like one of those types of places. And because it extends so f- far out into the county and there's there's so much more, like, large residential areas. Like, I feel like in D.C., you know, when there's a large residential area, there's lots and lots of houses, you know. In Baltimore, sometimes it could be lots of space, man, lots of lots of stuff going on. But if you look at their police force, their police force has been coming under scrutiny over the last year. Their school system basically has been sued. And now you look at their mayor, it's just so many aspects of people who are public servants, air quotes, are not serving the people. And it, first of all, how is it even possible that the mayor can write a children's book Let's be honest. She probably didn't even write the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? She just put her stamp on it. And the books are dumb as hell, too. They're like, oh, yeah, you should eat vegetables. Like, miss me with that. How can you then sell that to a university to publish and then put those in the school? That's not even the illegal part. The illegal part was that she they couldn't account for the books that Maryland purchased. Like you said, it's, it's a kickback. It's a kickback. I don't know, man. It's just another one of them things where cash rules everything around them. You know, it's all about the money. And it's all these people, man, when it when it comes to serving the people, bro, they're not interested, man. It's just another and Baltimore, bro, they deserve way better. They do. All three of their like their education, their police force, and their representation, man, all incredibly corrupt. Fascinating, man. Fascinating. Well, speaking of corruption, let's talk about the district of corruption. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about uh oh no mambo Muriel out here. Um, you know, so uh, basically, man, in Washington, D.C., if y'all don't know, there is, um, I don't even know what it is, like an ordinance or just like some... some it's uh, decriminalized. It allows the use of cannabis. It doesn't allow the use it's of It's fascinating, though, right? Because D.C. exists in several spaces at the same time. It is a municipality. It is a principality. And it's also the seat of power for the federal government. Mm-hmm. At all times, it's all of these things. So it acts like a city. It acts like a state. And it acts like the home of the federal government. The federal government, as we know, says marijuana is a Schedule One fucking drug. Up there with heroin. Up there with heroin and and cocaine. But the municipality, the the local police department, God bless them, are tired of fucking dealing with fucking street rips and fucking uh, fucking weed. It's like- in D.C. You know, God bless them in D.C. In, in Baltimore, they're not. In Baltimore, they still love arresting people on minor uh, marijuana charges. But in D.C., they don't. <clears throat> so what's about to happen now is, uh, and you've seen this in places like uh, Colorado and Washington and California, they are now trying to uh, legalize it for recreational purchase. That's what's happening. Uh, old, old, old Muriel uh, is trying to do that. Because they all, all these governments, man, they want the revenue. That's really what they're looking for. And my sister works for a large corporation. And, you know, she was telling me, like, a lot of times these people who are investors, like, they'll call up the rich people first, you know, and they'll be like, hey, we have this opportunity for you. So they have been calling up, people have been calling them about opening up cannabis businesses. So now that we're getting a recreational or we might be getting a recreational law in Washington, D.C. so we can purchase cannabis and cannabis products in a store, what happens is all the people who are rich and are able to invest in cannabis purchases are the people that are now going to receive the benefits from recreational cannabis being used. What my point is and what I'm I'm getting at here is just because we're legalizing something recreationally 
doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a positive impact on the community. Yeah, for me, I'm always a bigger fan of decriminalization. I feel like the government shouldn't have any position on weed. The same way the government doesn't have a fucking position on dandelions. There's some, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a fucking weed, Facts. bro. Facts. Like, what the fuck? There should be no fucking position on grass. There should be no fucking position on oak trees. There should be no position on evergreens. It's fucking something that grows, yo. The fuck do you care, man? And it's weird because it creates this weird tax place, right? Where, like, fuck what you heard. It may be federally illegal, but the IRS wants their fucking cut. And so, like, I don't understand how these dispensaries even deal with it. Like, you live in constant fear because you have to pay your taxes. You have to claim where the money is coming from. But at the same time, to do that, you have to admit you're conducting a crime in the eyes of the federal government. So I got two things for you. First thing is, there is actually a law within the federal government and the IRS that if you make any money illegally, you still have to report it on your taxes. Basically, if I'm Rafael Edmond or whoever, I'm a drug entrepreneur, I would still, I could be brought on tax evasion because I didn't tell the government I was making money illegally. So that's how they get around being able to put their cannabis business on their IRS because there's literally something that says, even if you make money illegally, you have to put it on there. And of course, because they're making money, they're not gonna say anything about it. Number two is, because of that, you are not allowed to put this money directly into banks you have to have the money in cash all of these dispensaries you know in colorado and washington and california so on and so forth have to use cash so you literally have to pay these blackwater-esque type dudes to sit in an armored van just so you can take the money from one place to another place it's just another reason like another ridiculous aspect of the matrix that comes into the use of cannabis and how many people do you know that's out there feeding their kids or whatever it may be because they just selling some weed, man? Yeah, no, that's real, man. It's real. And again, right, I don't understand how if you are a free, a, an advocate of the free markets, right? Republicans should be all about this shit. There clearly is a want for this product. Free market states that if there is a demand for a product, there should be access to a product. I, I just never understand how people yeah, hold but these white values. supremacy is more important to them, man. Locking up black people is far more important to them than the money. And that's just what money it is. Locking up black people, you get there's paid even, twice. There's even more money in it, you <laughs> yeah. know? And now I think this is what's happening. They are trying to corner the market on cannabis for the white population, for the bourgeois type population, mm. so that when people are so happy now and they're excited about going out and buying cannabis legally, they're still lining the pockets of the 1%, you know? Yeah, and, like, honestly, man, if you really wanted to be dope with it, if you really wanted to say something, Muriel Bowser, you know what I'm saying? Not No, no Mambo Muriel. I just don't understand the mambo craze. <laughs> what the fuck is so special about the mambo sauce? Yeah, and if you don't know, man, if you're not from D.C., man. Shit is you... magical. What the fuck is he talking about? And look, you may not like a type of mambo sauce. There's a couple different flavors, but you don't like none of them? fuck is wrong with you? That shit tastes like heaven and God. <laughs> I know, and it looks beautiful, too. Hey, man, we That's dropped pretty... some mambo sauce on the coffee table, bro. I still can't get that shit up, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, like, why? If you really was about the people, man, and you really, and every damn thing, every damn thing that DC does, she got to put Mario Bowser presents or walk with Mario Bowser or Mario Bowser will be there like clout everything. Chase, clout Man, chase. biggest clout chaser. Like if you really was about the people, bruh, and you know, a lot of people do like Mario Bowser. I've been getting a lot of backlash when I talk about Mario Bowser, but if you really was about the people, why don't you just say, all right, we're now like, it's legal for you to buy it, period. There's no dispensaries. There's no nothing. You don't think, bruh, if they legalized weed, right, and marijuana right now, like, bro, you know how many people I know locked up just because of small marijuana charges? How many times, I don't know, I'm just going to speak for myself, man. How many times the dude I cop tree from is locked up and I got to find a new weed a new weed man or weed woman or weed person of any kind? You know, like, I'm tired of that. I want to stick with my one guy, my right. one person that, right. I, that, I, that I cop from. 
all these dudes, like, bro, you lose your job. A lot of times, man, when people, you know what I'm saying, selling weed on it's on the side, bro. They still got jobs. They Yo, still bro, doing other you, things. If you got pulled over and you got arrested for having $5 of weed, right, which can't happen in D.C., theoretically, cannot. It could happen like, in Virginia. It could happen in Maryland, right. bro. That's a 10-minute drive down the street to get down to northern Virginia. All it would take is any type of drug conviction, and you would be forever banned from being able to get student loans. Ooh. Did you know that? Any amount of a drug conviction will permanently prevent you from being eligible for student loans. Dang. So you can't go to college. Bro, I would have been ineligible for college loans at the age of 18. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so that's what I'm... Can we... You're talking I, about turning up, bro. Tell me about uh, Don't Mute DC. All right, man. Shit, I wanted to get some good uh, good news in here. First of all, um, the Don't Mute DC movement, we've been talking about that last couple of weeks. Yesterday... There was a um, huge uh, gathering of incredibly beautiful human beings, Washingtonians, if you will. They basically just had Mochella, <laughs> which is, <laughs> you know, if you know anything about DC culture, man, like we, we got a lot of different types of slang and, you know, calling someone Mo. I don't say it, you know, it's not my thing, but definitely the, the homies that I know say it. So Mochella happened last night, and I can't even tell you, man, it was a sea. It was a sea of people, and they all were just. There was this one moment, man. It's been going. And, oh, shout out to um, I should I should save this for shout outs, but I, I don't want to forget, man. Uh, shout out to uh, the Don't You DC Instagram that just popped off, man. They've been doing lots of dope stuff. So if you uh, if you listening right now, follow Don't Mute DC on Instagram. They they really got a lot of cool stuff popping on over there. But it was just the sea of human beings singing "Pretty Girls," man, by Backyard Band, one of the most famous, if not the most famous, go go song of all time. In unison, man, across U Street, bruh. And it was just like, I don't know, man, maybe just 2,000 plus people. Damn. Peep the Instagram. Like, I'm telling y'all, y'all gonna feel really good. And it's become national news, bruh. Someone sent me an article from Australia that was talking about Don't Mute DC. When we talk about how difficult it is to live under the matrix, how difficult it is to live under the oppressor, all you have to do is start twisting their arm a little bit, man, and they don't know how to react. I just wanted to give a huge shout out to the Don't Mute DC movement. I wanted and to y'all the real heroes, man, facts. out there making that shit happen. Everything. Nothing but love. Put together Mochella, man. I was seeing a lot of people doing the best they could to make sure, you know, the streets were clean. Like they didn't want to. This is the thing, man. How intentional the people of DC are. It's like we're gonna turn up. We're gonna get lit. We're gonna, um, you know, just get it popping on a handstand. But we're going to make sure that the city looks good after we do it. There was, like, uh, homemade trash cans that was there. People were pushing recycle initiatives. Man, just so much dope stuff happened in the it's city right now. great fucking be city, a, man. Be a part it's of a it, man. great fucking city. And shout out to Baltimore, too, man. And shout out where you live, too, man. There's just good activists everywhere. And we were talking about the New York activists last week, man. People are out here, and they are working, and it's paying off, man. So just it's shout out to them. It's easy to get under to get overwhelmed and to believe that you're the only one out there that gives a fuck, that you're the only one out there doing work but i promise you we out there man it's never meant to be huge population huge percentages of the population is making the moves is making the change so just do what you can do man don't feel like you know get away from that hero complex shit where i'm going to be the one that saves everybody save your fucking self first sometimes i hear people say things like oh you know i feel like i could save the world or like save yourself you know, Man, you cannot save the world. That is a product of the Matrix. The movie and the figurative way that we use it. Facts. So what's up with the uh, Amin's Environmental Corner? The United States is the second largest polluter on Earth behind China. To truly make a difference. We must overthrow the United States government. Yes, you know I love the environment, man. <laughs> I'm a big environment guy. And there is some huge news that's popping off right now. I wanted to talk about Beyond Meat, but I'm going I'm to talk about that another time because this is something I've been really wanting to get to. Um, so the UN, you know, I'm not here to, to stand for the UN or anything that they doing. I think the doing. UN tries to do a lot of things well. I think just the way that the body is set up, it makes it impossible for real change to happen. You can't have all of the nations of the world are equal except for these five nations. And these five nations can stop anything. Facts. Total facts. Total cosign. Well, what I rock with them with is the studies that they have. They have a tremendous amount of scientists and uh, people who are very familiar with things like the environment working for them. So they've been, uh, they always, they have many times released reports on the climate. They, I feel like they do it every year, if not more. But this last report on uh, climate is really, really grave. Right now, they are saying that one million species of plants and animals are on the verge of extinction. That's a lot. 
That is basically twenty seven percent of all species that exist that we know of. We know that there's lots of species that we haven't discovered, but one million is twenty seven percent of all species that exists on the planet Earth. If we don't stop the the fossil fuel sh- stuff, if we don't stop the pollutants, if we don't stop you know mass farming, if all these different things are not curtailed immediately. You're talking between four degrees and nine degrees Celsius by 2050. And the only way you can achieve any of this is by becoming truly committed to the concept of peace. Because the petrochemicals, understand this, the militaries of the world run on petrochemicals. And that's what it's really about. Again, there are no permanent allies. There are permanent interests. And so long as I feel like my interests can be threatened, I have to defend them. Right? Yeah, I think peace culture is, um, that's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting way to look at it, man. When I look at all the aspects of, like, environmental degradation, uh, so much of it comes from war culture and violent culture. When you go about your everyday life, you know what I'm saying, with the idea of, like, peace and being peaceful in that way, like, you don't have that same mentality. But something that is, like, very difficult for me to talk to about with my environmental friends or my, like, vegan, quote-unquote, friends is, like, all the things that you want to do in terms of environment and saving the environment has to do with being a revolutionary as well. I mean, but they hear that word and they're terrified because they think it means running around with AKs and fucking trying to challenge the military. Like, bro, that's not the way, like... Yeah, no one's advocating that you do that, but we do have to look at everything as a funnel to the top. Radically reorient the way that we we move through this world, and that is revolutionary. If we are to see a four to nine degree increase in temperatures by 2050, that would be the end of the ecosystem as we know it. It would be a mass extinction, just like what happened when a literal asteroid hit the Earth and destroy the dinosaurs. We're going to be talking about a like, extinction like, level like that. It's just no, no, no. Have but, new life, and it probably won't be hominoid life. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. Aren't you trying to live? I'm trying to live, but I'm trying to I'm trying to live until I'm 117, trying to eat a, a plant based lifestyle, live a, a live a stress free lifestyle, and I'm trying to be an old man, and I want to live in a I mean, I hear you, man, but I like shooting deer in the face. Bambi tastes good as fuck. Hey, listen, I'm I'm totally, once again, I am here for the circle of life. Animals get eaten, bro. I have no problem eating an animal. Animals have leather. I, leather is good for me. I, I appreciate Suede that. Suede feels amazing. Yeah, all those things are possible, but once again, it's consumption. It's just the quantities that these things are happening. You cannot consume ethically in the matrix. It's not right. possible. Right, and how different would life be, right? And I say this as a meat eater, as Mr. Meat Eater. If motherfuckers had to kill the meat they ate, bruh, it'd be hella less meat. Right, ate. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in eating meat if... I'm the one who kills Sourced the animal. It. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just... and But it's like, I don't know, man. All, all I know is, like, if you are interested in living in a world where... If you have a child right now, you need to be fighting incredibly hard. Because mm. these people are... These young people... Think about 2050. 2050, we're going to be old men. We'll still be attractive. We'll still be schmexy. That's we'll a still, goddamn truth. Yeah, it's a damn fact. But... You know, all the young people that are coming, I know you have a, a passion for dealing with young people as well as I do, man. It's not going to be a world that they can live in. And this is like me like pleading with you right now, everyone listening right now. If we do not adhere to some form of revolutionary philosophy, this end for us. Bro, all these rich white people, man, they are building. They're going to make it. They're Yeah, they're building all these bunkers in New Zealand and these islands in the pacific they're gonna be good and they're gonna hand off this destroyed planet to people of color and say y'all fix it now an irreversible situation Mm -hmm. and this un report it's really scary bro if you if you peel through all of it it's terrifying and i know people talk about climate change and all these things but it's bigger than that it's there's more impact into it like than other than the the world is warming you know like there's more to it than that did you see this week that mike mike pompeo is like yeah well the melting of the Ar- uh, the arctic polar caps is going to present new opportunities for trade right and it's funny because we talked about it on a, the podcast a couple of weeks ago right the fact is 
that trade is gonna be dominated by the fucking Russians, bro. They've already they've already planted their flag. I mean, figuratively and not figuratively. Well, the thing is with Russia is they have so much land that they ain't got to worry about claiming. It's already right. theirs. They already exist with it. All this land up in Canada, all this land uh, in Greenland, or where you know in Iceland and or well, Iceland. Uh, yeah, is climate change may actually be positive for places like Siberia. Right. Exactly. No, it will be. <laughs> and yeah, so you're gonna have warmer climates for them. So. But anyway, man, that's just capitalist bullshit, man. Absolutely. And look, and, and every president has done it. If you are here telling me about, you know, different presidents do different things, man, the, a, it doesn't matter whether you're Donald man. Trump or Barack Obama. You are very interested in the oil in the northern provinces and northern territories of Canada and Greenland, and you're going to do everything you can to get a part of it. It's capitalism destroying the world. Yo, let's get to these fuck yous and shout outs. All right, let's do the fuck yous and shout outs. <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You want me to go first? I mean, yeah. All right. Who you got? All right. First of all, I just want to um, give a big fuck you. I know we talked about it, but I cannot stress this enough to Dan and Dave, our oh, Game of Thrones. Mother, man, you talking about the guys that wanted to do the Confederacy show on HBO? Oh Are we God. shocked at we how? Even, they... We didn't even talk about that, did we? No. Yeah, these That's people. That's a whole other podcast. No, well, we're going to talk about it right now. These <laughs> motherfuckers wanted to make a television show that the premise was. What uh, if the Confederacy won? Had won and basically slavery still existed. That was a show that they were trying to do on HBO. And they couldn't bro. understand why there was like. Backlash. Like, backlash. Like, why are people mad about I mean, we're just trying to be creatives and think about, you know, alternative universe. And then we wonder why, like, all the fucking Dothraki got killed. Why all of the fucking Unsullied have been literally ripped out root and stem. Why the only possible procreating black woman gets killed on the fucking show. Like, this is what I talk about when we talk about what what uh, endemic racism looks like. Because Dan and Dave probably think they have lots of black friends. I mean, you know, we kicked it with Khal Drogo. I mean, we, we, like, we love the blacks. Yeah, we nah. just want them all to die and not to have no kids in Westeros. What was that voice? <laughs> that's 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 my only F you, man. I've given so many FUs, man. Yo, I gotta yeah. I gotta fuck you for Mike Penis down in sixteen hundred Pennsylvania. And I gotta fuck you for Mr. Mustache, John fucking fuck ass Bolton. Fuck that motherfucker, oh, man. The, Piece of shit. The human walrus. They keep recycling this motherfucker, man. We can't recycle fucking spoons, but we can recycle this son of a bitch. All right, let's do some shout outs. Let's do some shout outs. I'm gonna right. give um a big shout out to everybody who is uh, practicing Ramadan right now. You know, it, it's really difficult as I've been getting older. I've been realizing like how much I need to calm down and relax. It's it's not easy for those people who are, you know, who, who need to take uh, medications for different things. You know, uh, definitely in the spring, it's very difficult because it's hot outside. Uh, I know people are dealing with a lot. And like the fact that you still choose to abstain from, you know, eating and uh, and drinking and smoking and you know, sexual contact and all these different things like that is a big, um, a, um, a big sacrifice that you're making, man. And I just want to show a lot of love to people who are doing that. And I also want to give a big shout out to everybody who um, is there with us in solidarity. You know, people who are like, you know, hey, talk to your Muslim friends, man. Go to an iftar dinner, like fast with them for one or two days, you know, especially at the end solidarity. of Ramadan. Solidarity is, is, is really dope, man, especially with, you know, Muslims and Jews and, 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 you know, people who don't have a, um, uh, you know, have some sort of like minority religion in in uh, in in the United States, man. Showing that solidarity, showing that love. When I see all my my Christian friends and my uh, atheist friends and all these other people who are like agnostic friends and Buddhist friends who are like you know Ramadan Kareem and all that, man, that's a lot of love. I really appreciate that. So shout out to y'all. Yo, shout out to Goldlink, bruh, for reaching 94 million views. around me. Man. Like I'm the man. Hey, that joint, <laughs> almost 100 million, bruh. Man, that's incredible for a DC artist, man. I ain't got nothing but love and respect for that shit, man. Shout out to all of the, the DC artists, out man. Out there getting shout it Fat in, Trail, man. You know what I'm saying? Shout out Even to Shaq Shel Lizzy, man. Shaq Lizzy, Light Show, Cutiful. Shelly the MC, you know, of course, a big shout out to my, my main broski, Malpractice, you know what Malpractice, I'm yeah. Uh, all days, all day. Word, word, What word. else you got? Any more? Uh, you know, I talk a lot of shit about Democrats because they make it so fucking easy. Very easy. But I'm going to say this, man. For all you motherfuckers still out there holding out hope for fuck, uh, what is uh, racist grandpa, fucking oh, Bernie Sanders and shit. Yeah. 
The motherfuckers, right, right, Bernie Panders. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> thank you, thank yeah, you. Well done. Thank you. Uh, those of y'all, I mean, I'm telling you, Matt, Mike Gravel is who you think Bernie Sanders is. Facts. Mike Gravel is really that dude. So, like, if you on the left and you, you, for some reason, you still have to vote Democrat, fuck with Mike Gravel, man. This ain't an endorsement, but I'm saying he's a lot closer to what you think you're getting at a Bernie fucking Panders casual racist grandpa. Like, Mike Gravel has a, a long history of being that fucking dude, man. And, you know, I, you know I've, I've res- as much as I can respect a Democrat, I respect Mike Gravel. And just a big shout-out to, to all of y'all, man, dealing with the Matrix, man. I know every day it's really difficult just to step out there and be a part of this, like, completely fake world that we all got to, like, that we all have to... Anyway, you know, it's, it's just really difficult to, to do, so... Shout out to y'all, man. I- I'm telling you right now, bro. We're on like five continents right now. That's dope, bro. Thank y'all. y'all for listening. Like- At Matrix Podcast on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Exit the Matrix Podcast.com. We on. In- we- where, where, where are we at? We man. everywhere. We we everywhere everywhere you find podcasts just you know and if you can't- iTunes Google Play Stitcher Tune FM Spotify. We in it for y'all's questions. So, you know what I'm saying? We small, but we mighty. That's my life. I've been living that forever, forever. And uh, if y'all ever got questions, man, hit us up. You know what I'm saying? Hashtag, you know, Matrix Podcast. And we will find you. We'll answer your questions. So, love, 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 and respect. We out. <laughs>